0: EEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEEE oh. Everybody and welcome back to another edition of The P.O.D. Cast. This is episode number 52. This is your favorite podcast about new metal. And it is the episode where we cover Primus for the very first time taking a look at their debut studio album, Frizzle Fry. I'm John and with me is a man who is so eloquent. Perfection is his middle name and whatever rhymes with eloquent. It's Brian Quinby hey hey primus
1: i I, this is our uh this is like our what's it called the um what's what this is like our one of our like the faith no more episode
0: playing an influential yes like uh as the as the smarts would say brian a proto new metal album proto yeah, yeah 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 so yeah and we're you very intellectual obviously we're very smart guys crazy
1: intellectual yeah do you want to say like it is christmas time
0: yes yes this and is our de- this is metal, our december episode
1: there are new metal christmas songs if people did not know this
0: yes um, our bonus episode this month not to uh not to spoil because usually we don't give this information away but we are covering Nightmare Revisited as our bonus episode this month, which is the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack redone by new metal artists. So, Corn did that one, and then did Corn do it? I don't actually know. I haven't even Corn did one. one. I haven't even uh, looked at copy the uh, Nightmare actually. Revisited. Let me look here. It is, uh, yeah, we've got uh, we've got Danny Elfman, pervert. We've got Marilyn Manson, sex crime guy. Oh, okay we've got all american rejects that's a fun one we've got nice, amina time, right? that's a band i've never heard of we've got Flyleaf. believe in gay conversion therapy this album this is a tough one uh polyphonic spree oh my Ooh. god that's uh, that's a band that was big for four seconds vitamin string quartet i also that's they're like a band that does string quartet covers of metal songs i think we've got sparkle horse we've got corn we've got rise against we've got amy lee RJD2, Plain White Tees, Data Rock, the album Leaf. Oh, 75-minute album, Brian. Oh, right. Fuck, man. We're in trouble, dude. We're in trouble. That Polyphonic Spree song is nine minutes
1: long. Oh, you're killing me with the Polyphonic Spree. I
0: remember oh, wow. when they were like, when people pretended like they were a cool and good band. I thought, like, for a period, I was like, I re- it was
1: like that whole period where and, with them and Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeroes.
0: Yeah, a, but I've Edward Sharp, spree. I don't feel like I wouldn't associate them with polyphonic spree necessarily. I, I mean, to me, the same to me, to me, it was more like uh, there was a moment where we were sort of like, uh, hey, do we like uh, more classical forms of music, but updated? Because that was also the big that Trans-Siberian Orchestra had a big moment uh, around that time as well. Uh, But I can remember, like, Polyphonic Spree playing, like, Coachella and, like, big festivals and stuff. And I was like, what is, who is this for? Yeah. I mean,
1: the, 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 the Polyphonic Spree was the one with, like, 100 people in the band, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like Like, a chorus. It was like a chorus,
0: basically. And they would dress up in, like, church chorus robes, but of more, like, garish colors, so you kind of knew it was like we're a church choir, but also we're not taking ourselves too seriously. They stunk. I, I hated everything. I I, I remember I having a few stunk. compilations that they were on, and uh and, and they were stinky, stinky poo-poo.
1: I will say that like I think what happened with me was uh uh I was just getting into like alt rock when they hit, right? So I think I did like the original the follow the day and reach for the star i think i liked that song Ugh. They they played it a lot on the alt rock station in town sure so i got i i don't know why i got into that really weird hippie music when it happened like i yeah. said edward sharp is the other band that was like that and i was just like yeah i mean this has a cool vibe to it you know what i mean but uh
0: not I'm, my thing uh, not my thing. They, uh, according to their Wikipedia, it sounds like they they were about 25 members. So oh, God, we've already talked Mormons. about uh, how it'd be rough for Slipknot to split those checks. Imagine the Polyphonic Spree splitting those checks. Yikes. Looks like a bunch of Mormons, man it does i'm looking oh it at- does oh the imagery now i mean it was bad then in my opinion not in like a sinister way but now it does kind of feel like a little sinister when you look
1: when at- were they oh they're still touring too
0: yeah. oh yeah they have a new album coming out this year apparently yeah, although so. we're already we're in december so they're, they're doing a texas tour looks like that's where they're from i didn't realize they were the tr- uh, the the main guy is the tripping daisies guy that's yeah. how they got that's how they got started. Yeah, yeah, I guess the co founder of Tripping Daisies died, and then this guy was like, Okay, well, I'm gonna create a choir band. (laughs) Yeah, Katie and Gwen
1: are going to see uh, most of my wife and my daughter are going to see Pentatonics on Saturday. Yeah, that's that's also not for me. That's a Christmas thing, though. They're doing okay, well, that's because you know, that's okay, anything at all in the whole world. Actually, it's a mom and daughter thing, they're doing like. Everybody's like a, with their, with their, uh, it's all mom and daughter stuff this weekend. So I'm going to be sitting around eating cheeseburgers by
0: myself. So, right, uh, doing I'm the single, cool. the solo dad thing. Yes, And Legos. I'll probably be playing with my Legos, you know? I, yeah, nice. I do know. That is kind of what you do. You know? Um, I was going to say, I,
1: I do want to say that, that my, I want to say my favorite song. Yes. My favorite new metal Christmas song is Do They Know It's Christmas? with chino the guy from will haven and somebody else is in it oh jonah from far that okay do they know it's christmas i don't know if i've even heard that probably I oh have. dude it's so good
0: Well, uh, you love uh,
1: covered too so that's yeah chino's like um what does he say but when you're having fun he's doing the uh duran duran guy voice in the song and it's so good i fucking love that song so listen to that there's some typo negative christmas song too that's really good and uh that weezer song like i think it's just called the christmas song is so good that's that's back when weezer was good that when i was a big fan of weezer
0: oh me too i'll have to check it it out
1: me you would bring presents and treats that's like some of the lines. To I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big.
0: Uh, I'm a big uh, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. It's a Holiday Soul Party. That's yeah. A, Katie and Gwen are big Sharon Jones and the Dap. That's, that's an excellent big- Christmas album.
1: Yeah, I don't like Christmas music that much, but I kind of it hasn't been around in my house this year because Gwen's in college and stuff, and uh, you know, they just Katie's not really listening to it yet, so I'm kind of like. I feel like I should start playing some Christmas.
0: Start it up. Because it doesn't start, the, feel start like up the band. Yeah. It's not December yet either. No, it's think, not. We're recording this spoiler, we're recording this uh before December. Well, you're supposed to start after Thanksgiving. And then I said, Hey, so Gwen gets home
1: on December probably thirteenth. She's home for like three weeks or whatever. Right. And I was like, uh Well, why don't we just wait till then? Katie's birthday is the thirteenth. I was like, why don't we wait till then to get the Christmas tree? And they treated me like I punched one of them and told me something.
0: (laughs) That's too late.
1: That's what they—they were just losing their mind about. What do you fucking mean? You know what I mean? And I was like, I don't know. Let's go get it today, then. I don't care. They're gonna put it. The problem is, and listeners to the show have probably seen it. uh, They're putting it in front of the TV so that I can't watch wrestling. Mm. from my lego chair now because the christmas tree is about to be in the way and you think i hate christmas now
0: (laughs) just until my wrestling from my lego (laughs) table is blocked
1: (laughs) Wait till i have to sit on the couch
0: and not play with my legos to watch wrestling (laughs) that's that's tricky we we put our christmas tree up because we don't you know in canada thanksgiving was six weeks ago so we don't have the whole oh you got to wait till thanksgiving's over to do christmas stuff our uh, tree's been up for 2 weeks. We we don't Oh, know. I say December 1st at least. You should just wait until December. Uh, I we like having it up. I mean, it's just nice to have it up. So like who cares, you know? I don't think there needs to be like a rule. It's just nice to have up. We bought a new one cuz really? we when we were moving, we didn't want to move the one we had out here. And it was also like a hand-me-down uh from Kevin Banner or a friend of the show. Oh, I know and, Kevin Banner. He was yeah. on
1: Prepper Guys.
0: Yes, and exactly. Yeah. So we uh we uh we got it from him and it was kind of an older tree. And my parents needed a fake tree because we always did real Christmas trees growing up, and then one of my nephews is allergic to trees. So my <laughs> my parents had to they have to had to switch to artificial. So it'd be
1: hard to go around allergic to trees. So he's, not, so he's many of them.
0: <laughs> he, he, it's fine. He's fine like just being around, but if he touches them, then uh-huh. it's a problem. So like uh, when they had the, you know, he last year he would have been three, so like you know ah. they had the real Christmas tree. Of course, he's three years old. He wants to you know touch the Christmas tree, whatever, and he gets really bad eczema if he if he touches them. So he would just like break out. Uh, and so my parents were like, okay, we got to get a fake one. So we gave them that one. We bought a new one, seven and a half feet tall, twinkling lights, which is kind of cool. You hey, light that's... it up, and the lights yeah. do the. Doot,
1: doot, 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 doot. It's yeah, very, you're not supposed to buy trees with lights already in them, but I'm letting it go. What are you
0: talking about? It's fine.
1: It's just it's a fake trip. We buy real trees here.
0: I know, but I'm saying we we had to get a fake. We I we, wouldn't invite my nephew if we could
1: <laughs> to the tree. I'm sorry. We get well, no our
0: reason. nephew wouldn't come here. He doesn't live in Calgary, but. Uh, we're, we're, a fa- we're a fake tree family I was always a real tree family growing up and then it just you, you know it's just too much
1: that was my parents my, you're like my parents and you know how I feel about my parents
0: too you know <laughs> what I mean great.
1: I'm letting you know that right now and I'm trying not to be a prick about it but my parents were like by the way people that have two dogs two fucking great Danes roaming around the house all the time they're like a real tree is a little bit too high maintenance I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? This dog's nose is in my dick 24 hours a day, and you have to feed it and take it outside and stuff, but a tree is high maintenance? It just sits there. And that's lo-
0: what makes a dog high maintenance to you is if they're in your crotch all the time. I, yeah. I mean, my parents' dogs are in my fucking dick <laughs> the entire time I'm around and
1: other, that's why I don't really, I mean, are I they get,
0: in anyone's dick or do they just particularly like your dick. dick? Okay. They're
1: just in your dick or pussy all the time. That's all they fucking, they, <laughs> you walk in the house and their big fucking stupid nose is in your fucking crotch. Yeah. And then you sit down and it ends up in your crotch again And it's just like, I I just, I'm not a fan, okay? Okay. I'm not a fan of these dogs smelling my dick. And uh, it does
0: it to everybody so i would say i'm just sort of across the board not a fan of anything smelling my dick i don't need to I limit agree. it to dogs you know i, I know that you're maybe kind of only you like when other things sniff your dick but not
1: no me. no i mean they, they also get my asshole it's not just my dick it's also <laughs> if you turn around they'll put their nose in your asshole too i hate them i i, I just and they, that's what I, but christmas trees literally you don't have to do anything well with
0: you them. gotta water them
1: once or twice Actually, I. I, it may sound stupid because i don't do that i actually don't take care of the tree <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: like oh christmas trees are easy to take care of you buy it and you put it up and then you never think about it again
1: you know as a matter of fact that's actually your trees kind of die before
0: think. christmas often brian
1: <laughs> no no they're good but i i just when you <laughs> said like that they take maintenance i was like uh no they don't and i was like oh i actually uh don't uh <laughs> i don't use them I don't do anything with them. They don't take anything
0: for me to do. Yeah, I guess, like, you know, nothing technically requires (laughs) maintenance if you're willing to have it just break or die. Uh, Katie will water the fucking thing. She's got, like, 7 million plants down here. Okay, so she can just throw
1: some water in in the tray or whatever. He's a big plant head, John. If you saw the amount of plants, you would be like, damn, there's almost as many plants as there are Legos in this house.
0: I am just not a plant guy. I don't, like it's fine to have them like Becca likes to have plants. It's not like she when she puts them around I'm like fuck this, but I am I don't think I'd ever like be going out of my way to buy and maintain plants. And I do I, know people like Katie, uh, you know, who they're like I want to own a million plants. I'm oh, like yeah. there's one there's only
1: one that's mine down there and it's a corn plant. <laughs> it is massive and uh i i bought a big terracotta pot for sure. it and i painted it black and then i wrote terry in the i bought font. the terracotta <laughs> then i painted it black i wrote terry on it in the corn font and the r's are backwards so the it's named terry it's a corn plant and it's corn like but it doesn't grow actual corn. No, your house. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, that would be funny. I, I thought it did at first, and I was like, damn, maybe I'll eat some, maybe I'll get some popcorn out of this fucking thing. But
0: uh, no. Speaking of corn, uh, I saw someone posted this, uh, I think on Twitter, I saw it, where um, I guess they oversold the corn Adidas collection. So some people, oh. some people who ordered, they just were like, we don't actually have it. And oh, so you can't get it. So yeah. what they were doing was they were offering people their money back and offering them a free poster that no one else will get except for the people who missed out in this fashion, which is kind of cool. But then with a poster, a little seek well, put it on your wall, but a secret, uh, a little secret thing that they released as well, is they also said that the people who got fucked over by this will get first dibs at, corn adidas season two which is expected mm. to drop in mid 2024 i thought it was early but yeah so yeah. there's more uh corn and adidas stuff coming which is good because i would say i was gonna get one of the shirts but i w- didn't love any of them i thought they were all cool but like I, none of them were necessarily one where i'm like i love this so i'm excited for a new collection where i might really connect I, the shoes I are sick. like the shoes you got are sick but the, uh, we talked about those on the bonus episode with, with Mike York. But um, the shirts didn't blow me away. So I'm excited for a potential new corn Times Adidas collection. I, I like
1: the uh, Life is Peachy shirt. I think it's really fucking cool. It but it's okay, I thought. I think that's like the best of the shirts they had. I know people are like, oh, you know, you
0: got to get the tracksuit. But I, I don't think I'm a trash. Track. I can't track. wear a tracksuit. I know Mike was trying to convince me to wear the tracksuit on the bonus episode, but I mean, I just can't wear a tracksuit. You know what I mean? I think you can pull it off, John. You should have got it. You could, John. I can't. What? Okay. What makes me able to pull it off and you not able to pull it off?
1: I gotta have AirPod pockets in my pants.
0: I only for one kind of pockets? Of
1: no, they don't. No, they do not. A, a lot of them, do, what what not yeah, of them do, dude. What are you talking about, Yeah, most everything falls out. Everything. It's the fucking worst. I only wear those Lululemon ones with the fucking AirPod pocket. Inside the pocket, there's a little thing. Your AirPods, you can just stick them in there and they'll, you'll never lose them.
0: I've got I a pair know. of Adidas track pants and they have zippers on the pockets.
1: I don't like zippers on Bingo. the pockets either, though. I don't like that either. I like to be able to just put my hands in my pockets anytime I want. You know, I'm very specific about clothing. Okay. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay, okay. Brian.
1: (laughs) Very specific
0: over here. God. Yeah. What is it like to just be you every day?
1: You know, people ask me that all the time. It's not fun at all. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you'd like it very much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you and I would definitely make for a fun like freaky friday situation like you definitely would not like being in my body either
1: well i kind of like feeling not i I don't know i'd
0: probably be okay you know you'd have to go curl
1: that'd be great i want to curl
0: i'd love (laughs) to curl or bowl okay well i don't bowl but that's fine
1: (laughs) i would love to play a game i'm telling you right now i'd do anything to play a game i don't have anybody play games with though you know top golf at some point with the daughter and yeah, Once, but I, I, you know, I didn't have very many friends before. But trust
0: me, now. <laughs> now that you're aging, all your friends are gone. Well, yeah. I mean, it was my life took a big turn. Like, here well, yes, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I, I understand. Uh, people are
1: very mad at me. <laughs> well,
0: but. Well, anyway, we'll just fine. It's not. a.
1: Well, let's talk Primus. I've I've seen you got to ask me. I'm ready for the question.
0: Okay, let's talk Primus. Yes, there's actually a few Primus questions I would say that you're going to have to answer. But uh, yes, this is the first time we've covered them on a bonus episode. But this is the first time in 52 episodes we're covering Primus on a main episode. As I said, off the top of the show. We are covering their studio debut album. So they did have one album that came out before this called Suck On This, which is a great album title. Uh, But it was just a... uh, They had done two live performances at Berkeley Square uh, and they compiled those into a recording. So this is the first actual like studio album recording uh, by uh, Primus. And they essentially used the proceeds from the suck on this sales to fund this album themselves. So it was produced by Primus and Matt Weingar and it came out on February 7th, 1990. And it was recorded in December of 1989. And we're going to find out when we read the articles, Uh, Les Claypool is going to talk about that, but essentially they recorded it uh, very, very quickly. Uh, it, It was recorded, mixed and mastered within seven weeks and then immediately released uh, so pretty wild how they uh, they got that out very quickly. Uh, they ended up uh, getting on Caroline Records. Uh, Les Claypool is uh, childhood friends with Kirk Hammett from Metallica. They went to the same high school. and so Kirk uh, was trying to help them shop it to major labels. They ended up settling on Caroline, uh, which is a smaller uh, UK label, actually. Uh, the first single from the album was John the Fisherman. Uh, which you know cool uh, you know that's my name uh, so that was the the first single that came out they did a video for it it got a little bit of play on mtv and did actually get primus a little bit of attention the second single was too many puppies uh, neither of the singles charted uh, but uh, you know those are some legendary primus songs this song in or this album in general uh, has gone gold, but is not uh, one of their best-selling records. I didn't really realize until doing some research that Primus has like some huge albums. Like oh yeah, Sailing on the Seas of Cheese uh, debuted in the Billboard uh, Top Ten, <laughs> which yeah, it's is great. It's a that's great, crazy. Album. I, well, sure, but that's crazy to me, uh, especially that came out in '91, I believe, and uh, that you know that's the that's uh, you know in the record-selling era. Uh, So it's crazy that 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 cracked the top 10. But anyway, uh, we are covering Frizzle Fry. So that's where we're at. The third single, uh, by the way, was Mr. Know-It-All. And then that was was the end of that. And they released it uh, next. uh, Or sorry, they released the album, uh, Sailing on the Seas of Cheese, a year later. It was very well received by critics. uh, And, uh, you know, generally speaking, they were a favorite of other uh, artists as well. Uh Brian, here's the question: What is your history with the band Primus? One, they are like I mean, you can listen to this album specifically, which
1: came out in nineteen eighty nine and you can hundred percent hear how influential this band was, <laughs> sure to a lot of these new metal bands, almost in a way that like I heard it on on the Faith No More album, but i always he- I hear it
0: more with I with think I hear it more here as well, I agree. Uh, but in 1989, 90. Fuck, that's five, reported it in 89. Came out in 90.
1: Four years before Corn's first like single or whatever. So yeah, um, I saw Primus live a ton of fucking times, like when I was growing up because they'd come through town with Biscuit. Uh, I'm trying to think. Of, the, I, well, I mean, we would go see him but it was just them. But but they used to tour with a lot of really cool bands and come through town. And also,
0: yeah, they do kind of talk about, sorry to cut you off. They do kind of talk about that uh, in some of the articles that we're going to listen to, um, you know, that uh, Les Claypool kind of said that they sort of just fit with a lot of different kinds of music. Yeah, oh yeah. And so weirdly they've opened for the Pixies. They've opened for Jane's addiction. Uh, I do believe they have done some opening for Metallica. They've so, also opened for rush. They've also opened for U2, which is <laughs> unbelievable to me. Uh, and they've also opened for Public Enemy, Anthrax. Uh, yeah, they've they've been on a lot of uh, of really interesting, um, a lot of really interesting tours. Les Claypool anyway, has but, that kind
1: of Fred Durst, uh, people like to be around him. Yes, vibe to me. Like for sure. just when you read the articles with him talking, you're like, man, people like. They I mean, really like wants to be around the guy Tom Waits. Uh, you know, the uh, Stuart Copeland from the Police is in a band with him. Uh, you know, all of his side projects and stuff like that, which I also like, but they're not I don't like them as much. Primus is a little bit tighter of a of a thing, you know, than than uh, uh Oysterhead or or the Holy mackerel or anything like that. But uh as a matter of fact, when Katie was pregnant, I went to see than play frizzle fry in its entirety oh and uh that's one of the reasons i picked this album specifically and i'm telling you man they played this album and then a bunch of their hits when it was over it was it was like a two-hour like show but it was so fucking good they, they were so good like I, I think one of the things that like i think if if you've seen them live it also kind of changes what you think about them? Because I can remember when Pork Soda came out, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't like the singles. I didn't like my name is Mud, and I like all the most popular stuff. I didn't like it at all. And then somehow I think it would have had to have been a tour where Limp Biscuit opened for Primus. They came through town, and uh, I saw them live, and I was like, oh, I fucking get this band now like totally because it's it's just a really fun show you know you chant primus sucks to get them to come out before they come out on stage which i thought was really cool and uh you know they they play the upright they play a bunch of different instruments so like if you're a person and i was this person for a few years if you're a person that's just like really interested in each Kind of instrument on stage. I, I was actually goofing about this on guys recently. Uh, but uh what like if you're a person who's like, Do you hear the bass in this song when you listen to like a Lynn Biscuit song or something like that? Like the bass is really good here. That's like the star of the show. And then the guitar, the rhythm guitar is the other star. Like you're 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 tearing the songs apart, even though you don't know anything about playing an instrument. right right. right. yeah yeah you know like i don't i don't fucking play guitar but i'm always just like yeah yeah like you know i can hear those cool riffs they're doing i remember i'd go see bands this period like probably like right after high school and i i would be like i stood at the front of the stage and i just watched his fingers move on that fucking guitar
0: (laughs) i was dialed in man it was crazy
1: dude it was so cool and obviously when you're seeing primus you're seeing one of the best to ever play the instrument, that for sure. Like, yeah. Les Claypool and Brain, who was the drummer when I saw them a lot, they're, they're some of the best to ever. Les Claypool's best bass player to ever do it. It's just crazy to to imagine. And and I think that's another reason why people don't quite like if people don't get it. Uh, but I think a reason, like you said, that they had these like. Huge selling albums. I think people can tell when somebody's like special, great at an instrument, and maybe they don't even know why. And also, them get they got their start at exactly the right time for this sort of thing. If you're releasing albums in 1990, 1991, 92, there was a lot more leeway for being weird at that time than would even be around and you read about any the article there was at some point there were like the label and people around them were like, you guys have lost the plot. You don't know what you're doing. You're, and now it's gotten too weird. And it's like, that wasn't a function of primus changing. I don't think, I think that was the music industry changing in the mid nineties, late nineties where things tightened up and were a little less a, a band. That's weird it was a lot harder for them to get traction at that point. Um, Because I I do think when Nirvana and, uh, uh, you know, Mud Honey and all that, like a lot of that stuff is fucking strange and it was huge. So I think Primus was a band that like benefited from a time where things were just weirder.
0: (laughs) Well, it's also interesting because I think, you know, I thought this when we listened to Faith No More as well, it's crazy to think about those being major label bands, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like, I know that this, this record Frizzle Fry didn't come out on a major, but then they did end up on a major for, for got their, them on one. Yeah, exactly. For right. their, for their subsequent, uh, you know, their subsequent records. I know, um, it was, it was, you know, yeah, they got, they got major label attention. They were on interscope, uh, for sailing the seas of cheese, uh, and pork soda and just like, yeah, they, they, they were a major label band, and I think it's just interesting to think of a time period where music like this could get on a major label because that went away pretty quickly. I mean, I guess new metal as a whole is pretty fucking weird. It's weird no, to think but, about, but not, but, but not like this. It falls in line.
1: You know yes, what I mean? So for like sure. new metal's popular now. There's like, like we're talking like this. 90s, early to the late 90s, early 2000s. New metal is popular now. There's about four kinds of new metal band, <laughs> like they're the only thing that you, hear. yes, for <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah, there's definitely no bands that sound like Primus. I mean, that's for sure, but it is interesting too because I do think it was a weird era where bands or sorry, labels would also sign weird bands to convince musicians to join the label, right? Because you would have these bands like corn or like whoever that were big Primus fans and they would want to be on the label that Primus was on. And so you get a lot of, you get a lot of bands from that era where it's shocking they're on a major, but then you realize it's like, it's almost like a loss leader for them. They're like, Oh, well if we can put this respected artist, I mean, Primus is not maybe the greatest example because they did actually sell lots of copies and, and became a big band. But I'm thinking of some of the smaller like I always think of Dredge as like a great example yeah. of that. Like Dredge was on a major label. And I think that was just strictly so the label A&R people could be like, hey, look, like we sign cool and somewhat weird bands that are doing something different. Um, and yeah, it feels like Primus kind of fits in that category for sure. Gives you the vibe
1: that uh, you're going to be able to get to do what you want with the album yes exactly one of those labels where it was like oh yeah you kind of get the vibe that they're gonna let if if they're gonna release an album called sailing the seas of cheese i think that they're very open to sort of like why wouldn't they let corn do what corn wants to do corn's like i mean corn's a bad example too because they were fucking weird they were the corn was definitely
0: weird especially early corn
1: first in the genre sort of thing but i mean we just covered reveille right and they were also on a major label because they sounded like Limp Bizkit, yeah you know um but yeah yeah primus is a primus being a huge hit i think also has something to do with mtv was still like pretty vital at the time like it was we all know mtv was super important but Primus was a different kind of band than some of the other bands that you got into because their videos were so fucking weird. So you would see it and you'd be like, Oh, this is weird. I'm I'm like kind of drawn in by it. Another band that benefited from that was Tool. Like the the video for Sober, I remember coming on, and it's like, well, I'm not gonna turn this because it's this weird claymation thing. And and Primus worked real hard to make their their videos stand out too. And people get into that. Like MTV was still kind of putting stuff on because of the visual, not just the music, but oh, also totally the visuals. Totally. That's just completely gone away. That's why I think like weirder bands, I think it's a lot harder for them because, you know, nobody's really taking a risk signing something strange and then you don't have a video to kind of get your aesthetic across and it just is a thing where kind of people have to find you and uh, i don't think that happens now i think that like like you said primus probably benefited a lot from the label saying like look if if," because in the article they talk about jimmy iovine saying like i don't get you But uh, I know this is something I have to have on the label because if people hear it, they'll sign here,
0: you know? Well, I think what you said too is a good point that like back in those days, it was just about making you not turn the channel, right? So so if a music video was arresting visually, that could get it played regardless of the music because MTV was just trying to find a way. If you're flipping through the channels, You know, and you're seeing like a news program, a basketball game, a a sitcom, like all TV kind of looks the same. And then you flip and you see this like weird claymation or this weird animation or whatever. You're going to go like, hold on, wait, what is this? You know, whereas obviously now that kind of same thing doesn't exist. It's not like you're scrolling on YouTube And you see something weird visually, and then you're like, "Oh, I got to check that out." You're like, "No, I want to, I want to go down some kind of rabbit hole here." It doesn't necessarily involve weird claymation or something. You got to click
1: it. Like, I think the thing is, like, especially with the audio part of it, is like they're trying to get you to click something. And I ain't clicking shit.
0: Nobody's clicking anything. But if you're clicking channels, it's way different.
1: (laughs) YouTube is one thing that I will kind of click. When I see something weird, I'll click something on YouTube, but I mean, Spotify, I'm not clicking anything.
0: Well, it's also like music wise too, right? Like if you're in a mood where you want to listen to music on YouTube, you're not like, Hey, I'm going to try and find something brand new. Like maybe it shows up in on the right side in the suggested videos or something. And you go, Oh, that looks kind of interesting. (laughs) Pardon me. Maybe I'll click that. But I think that's it's certainly a lot rarer than MTV trying to like get your attention with a weird-looking video or a strange-sounding song. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And this album, I think, is their most... I would say this is probably their most accessible album that, that they ever did. I think once they did Sailing the Seas of Cheese, they were like... I don't give a fuck. I'll just do whatever I want. I mean, but this album has some legit, like, fucking heavy metal songs on it, and and I mean, the other ones do too. But by the time you get to like, like Tommy the Cat, which is on Sailing the Seas of Cheese, that one is um, that one is a little bit like more of a a weird song than I I feel like most of the songs on this album are not that fucking weird
0: yeah i sh- so I, I i haven't even talked about my history with primus but that's a good jumping off point because my entire history with primus is jerry was a race car driver being on the soundtrack for tony hawk 2 <laughs> uh or maybe it was tony hawk 1 it was in it one. Might
1: be the first song i ever heard by them uh yeah uh, the yeah his or mr crinkle it's like one of those three
0: yeah it was it was like i remember hearing it and i remember thinking it was uh It was like the weirdest kind of, okay. Yeah. It wasn't the first Tony Hawk. Um, I remember like hearing it and thinking like, this is odd, but I kind of like it. Um, But then I never, but it was like weird to a point where I thought um, like, I don't need more of this. Like, this is just like, this is weird enough and that's fine. But it like wasn't in an intriguing way to me. It was just like, okay, I like this song. I'm into it. But I don't need to hear more of this. And so, yeah. So I just kind of remained sort of blissfully ignorant to Primus. Uh, I mean, even when we started doing this podcast, you know, you would bring them up. We listened to them for a bonus episode. And um, I just like, yeah, I've always kind of thought like when Primus is on, it's fine. But I'm never seeking it out. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting listening to an entire album of it. I'll say that. But um, I'm curious, Brian, one of the questions that did come up a little bit with, uh, you know, with the like on Twitter when we were doing the poll and when it looked like Primus was going to win a lot of people who are a little more educated on Primus than myself uh, were were very surprised that Frizzle Fry was the album that got nominated, that I think people were either thinking it would be. Sailing the Seas of Cheese, or Pork Soda, or the later record, I can't remember Andy what it's Park. called, where they, were, where they had like new metal guys producing the record. Yeah, I hated that record, though. I mean,
1: I think everybody hated that album.
0: But, okay, yeah. but so it begs the question, though, because people did ask the question, like, why was Frizzle Fry the Primus album you nominated? Because we've never had a Primus album in the poll before. I
1: would say that Frizzle Fry was one of the choices because it is probably my favorite album. Okay. I feel like you can hear the metal and uh, you can hear the, uh, what's the word? the the You can hear the stuff, like the um, influences in it. And also because I had seen it playing live in its entirety. And uh, honestly, Too Many Puppies is just like one of my favorite songs ever. <laughs> I love that song, man. I just wanted to listen to Too Many Puppies, I guess.
0: <laughs> okay, that's fair. I There's uh... a few
1: songs on here that are kind of my favorite type of Primus songs. To defy the laws of tradition is one that I think does everything I like Primus to do. Uh Too Many Puppies is one that I like that that it does what I like Primus does. It kind of I don't know, it just I feel like you can hear. I feel like you can hear in this what made somebody like, uh, I don't know, like, like made somebody like Fieldy, or like, which is funny, I used to think Fieldy was the most kind of inspired by Les Claypool until I found
0: out that Fieldy is not a very good bass player. (laughs) (laughs) And like kind of a moron and kind of just like doing his own thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I guess I would say that Maybe like, uh, uh, Fieldy was definitely influenced by him. He just isn't very good at doing it. But when you listen to something like, like Limp Biscuit that has the more complex bass, uh, that's where you can hear, um, that's where you can hear Primus. And I also think that like the way he plays the bass is different from the like, cause there's another, axis of this period of time that influenced a lot of uh um a lot of the new metal stuff and that's like the red hot chili peppers like 24 7 spies and plays people like that and i just didn't like that shit i didn't like and i just like this had my sensibility a lot more than the red hot chili peppers and uh i i do feel like the les claypool and and brain the drummer whoever's the drummer at any specific time have the most kind of uh influence
0: on on new metal of the other ones and there's just some heavy songs on here that, i think like what i hear in the bass that specifically influenced new metal is the tone right like the bass is like it's up in the mix which you don't really hear with a lot of like you know if if we're saying that new metal is sort of what came out of like glam in like i know that grunge was supposed to be the sort of opposition to glam but if you're like following the popular trajectory of metal you kind of go from glam maybe metallica you've got a little bit in the early 90s where they're starting to get a little bigger and then you get into new metal that's the 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 way that the bass <clears throat> and the drums are mixed in new metal is really different than than hair metal or glam metal or whatever, where the bass just kind of is in syncopation with the drums and it's sort of in the background of the mix. And the vocals are obviously very high in the mix in, in hair metal. And then with this, like, when you listen to this, obviously, I mean, they're a three-piece band and obviously Les Claypool is some kind of virtuoso. So you understand why the bass is shoved forward in the mix. But I think that that's kind of what... Uh, new metal took from primus if nothing else i mean i do think like you said there are other influences here but i think if they took anything it was the sort of jamming the bass really high in the mix to give it that more funky hip-hoppy feel that uh you know that a lot of new metal had and i'm curious brian like so you sort of talked about your history but you didn't really talk about like were you buying their albums and like listening yeah. to them from wow. the back and stuff like that? Like were you, or was it more just a live thing for you? Like, I'm, I'm curious. Cause I find listening to this entire album, it's not very accessible. Like it's a difficult listen to sit there and listen to Primus for 60 minutes in a row.
1: This was one that like, so I had a, like, it's, it, there's so much to this album with like, me like one of the things was that like once i heard this and heard corn uh i understood what the bass was and uh, like me and a lot of my friends my like i didn't buy any of these albums but my brother bought pork soda my friend nate bought uh uh frizzle fry and and I, and like, not when they came out, like, years
0: later. Right, this is, you're going back, you're in kind of the mid to late 90s, you're going back and discovering this stuff.
1: Yeah, like, 99, 2000 and stuff, and uh, we all wanted to play bass, like, everybody I knew wanted to be a bass player, and that seems very strange now, because it's like, why would you want to be, like, like it was, the, I think, the first time somebody said I wish I was a bass player instead of people being like, well, I know how to play guitar, but all the bands already have a guitar player. So I guess I'll play the bass.
0: Yeah, (laughs) totally.
1: (laughs) Like this is the beginning of people like, and and it helped me under, I think it also helped me understand how to like, listen to music in that. Like once I, the bass player was always standing on stage. You did not really know what he was fucking doing. You didn't standing in the audience. You don't know what the bass player is up to unless you play drums or play an instrument, which I didn't do. So I would stand, I, I being able to hear the bass made it so exciting. And like, I had a buddy that he picked up the bass and he started going to lessons to learn how to play it. And, he got really into this, and when we were hanging out and driving around and smoking weed and stuff, this is a lot of what we listened to. And uh, we would listen to it front to back, you know, of course, but, like, we would also skip, like, skip through the albums, like listen to Tommy the Cat, listen to Too Many Puppies, and, uh, a, a f- like, there, we had a list of the songs we really liked, but, like, this really had an impact on how I listened. Like, I understood bass at that point. I was able, after hearing Primus, I was actually able to say if the bass was good or not in a song instead of, like, lying and acting like I... Oh, yeah, 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 the bass was really good in this song. I would have never known that without hearing this because this is the time, this is the band, this is the thing that puts it right in the front of the song and you can hear it and you're like, oh... That's what that guy's doing on stage.
0: (laughs) That's what that's for. I always thought the guy with the big guitar was so weird. Yeah. It's like, yeah, so
1: many people wanted to play bass. Like in my friend group, uh, people wanted to play bass more than guitar or drums or singing or anything. They all, we all wanted to learn bass.
0: That's so interesting. Cause yeah, I think, I mean, I started playing drums in 96 when I was 11 and I just thought like, the idea that you'd be able to like hit shit was cool. I think was what yeah. like appealed to me about the drums was okay. I sit down and I get to just like bang on stuff. Fuck. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> the, well, the, that's, base the bass thing is, is, is like
1: that too. The bass has this real, like, like the bass has a more, like when you play guitar, you got the pick, you're doing a thing. The bass has like so many different ways to play it where you can look at a guy on stage Like, Fieldy almost plays the drums on his bass.
0: Oh, definitely. Very
1: cool and very fun. When you watch Les Claypool perform, it looks really cool and really fucking fun to be playing the instrument. You know, he, like, kind of moves around. He, like, kind of marches around the stage with it. You can hit it. And, like, picking at it also looks cool with your fingers. You
0: know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's an instrument that I think we all thought looked very cool at the time.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's funny. I never really thought about new metal as the sort of, um, sort of a resurgence of the bass player of the like, oh, let's, let's be a cool bass player. But yeah, you're kind of right. Like, I think people thought Sam Rivers was cool too from Limp Mm Biscuit. Like, you know, he had a really cool, he was very aggressive on stage and he had the, he had like the cool bass face and stuff. And obviously, he also was a great bass player and has some very, very complicated Mm -hmm. and fun and iconic parts in Limp Bizkit. But yeah, I guess like, I just, I didn't have enough friends that listened to new metal. So I don't think I ever thought of, you know, oh, if we have a band, like you'll play this and you'll play this, or thinking about wanting to play bass or, or whatever. I think I always had that same opinion that you talked about that just kind of like, oh, bass players, whatever, in a band, they're sort of, they're back there, they're doing their thing. Have, hey, have fun over there, whatever you're doing.
1: It's funny. It's funny. Because a famous Les Claypool quote that we used to always say when we'd be talking about music and shit was that, like, his dad took him to a concert and he saw everybody on stage and he thought the guy with the bigger guitar was cooler. And that's why he started because he just liked the big guitar. Right. And I'm like, that is like, when you look at it, makes sense you know what makes it cool
0: yeah that makes sense i don't want to play the little dinky guitar i want to play the big i want to play the big fat guitar
1: (laughs) yeah as a kid oh it's only got four strings on it
0: oh i don't even have to learn six i don't have to learn six strings and it's bigger and cooler oh slap it! you know
1: like i think that yeah this this period of time was like a renaissance for bass players which i feel has ended
0: now. I don't think yeah. people oh, yeah. are excited to
1: play bass
0: now. But I just feel like man, musicians in general, it's kind of ended, right? Like, it's not the idea that someone is really good at an instrument is no longer engaging, Damn at man. least in at least in popular music, you know? It's like, right. if you think of the people who play instruments, like, notably front-to-band and play instruments, Dave Matthews, Ed Sheeran, Chris Martin from Coldplay, like, the big popular music it's not because they're virtuosos on their instruments. And then even if you stretch it out to rock bands, right? Like who are the big rock bands now? It's things like Imagine Dragons and 21 Pilots and like shit like that. And it's like, ain't nobody saying they're great at their instruments, (laughs) that's for sure. I will
1: also say this. This is the only virtuoso I like. Like I don't like any, but any of Ingve Malmsteen, Steve Vai, fucking Joe Satriani. I don't like any of that shit.
0: This that's like that music sucks <laughs> right right
1: Right? like he's Les claypool somehow made it let's claypool this band somehow made it like okay well there's something else there it's not a hundred percent the bass it's just that's the most forward thing in the band and i think that like you listen to other virtuos joe bonamassa <laughs> and stuff like that you're like fuck this stuff sucks man
0: <laughs> oh it's it's dad. so unlistenable because it's because the the thing that they do or at least the sort of the steve vise and the joe satrianis and stuff of the world is they're just like i'm so good it's not a band right yeah. it's just like someone it's just you know the drums and the bass in the background are just kind of like do do and then joe Satriani's like yes, yes. like who yes. is that interesting to that's not like that's not exciting. I mean, I guess if you're really good at guitar, maybe there's some interest in that, I guess. But they're just well, not dad, making engaging music. Whereas like Primus, Les Claypool is a bass virtuoso, but he's not, the band is not like Les Claypool and the Primus guys. It's like, it feels uh-huh. like a band, even though he's really, really good at the, at the instrument.
1: My dad used to be so, I mean, I've said this a million times, but my dad was so fucking like, disappointed that i didn't like a lot of the virtuoso stuff and i was always like kind of annoyed by it because i was like well i like the one of the best place bass players in the world but like he didn't like primus because and this is i'm sure part of why you might not have liked it either uh you know the vocals are probably not the greatest thing like that i can under the the reason i understand people don't like primus is the vocals, they're not great. There is thing. It's like this is one of those bands where there is a piece of it that you you kind of deal with so that you can enjoy the other parts. If
0: that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I would say for me, like yeah, I guess we haven't really talked about the album in, in, in great detail yet, but I w- I guess I would say that um, I just I found it cha- challenging to listen to for a full album. Like, I I, like it's like I kind of brought up before. Like, I think when you hear one Primus song, it's like, okay, they're doing something interesting. This is kind of weird. The vocals are a little gimmicky, but it kind of fits the sound. And it's and I think it's true. Like, obviously, Jerry was a race car driver, I think, is a very good song. Like, it's just a good it's a poppy kind of metal song. It's good, you know. Um, but I also think it's true of most of the songs on Frizzle Fry. I think if you if you and I were just like in a car and you put your phone on shuffle and one of the Primus songs came up, I definitely wouldn't dislike it. And I wouldn't sit there thinking like, oh, shit, I got to listen to or I, we got to listen to something else. I hate this. But like when they're all back to back, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in because you you yeah, the the vocals start to wear on you because it no longer feels gimmicky. Like when you listen to one song, you're just kind of like, okay, this is sort of like a gimmicky thing. It's fun. But then when you listen to 12 songs in a row where it's like, nah, 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 nah. like he, he literally says in, in, in interviews that he was like trying to imitate Mel Blanc, who did like all the voices from Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I don't, <laughs> that's not going to, probably one of the interviews where the job done for me, you know? So yeah, it's just, I think when you stack all the songs on top of each other, I think it becomes a very challenging listen. And I, like I, I would say, I don't think Primus is bad. And I wouldn't even say I hated this album. I definitely wouldn't say I hated this album, but I found it. Okay. Here's a question for you, Brian. You know, you're an expert on guys, And as I was listening to this, I was trying to figure out, like, what type of guy is, like, a primus guy? Like, is it just a stoner, or is there something else that I'm kind of missing? I think it's people... It's funny that, like, I was
1: kind of thinking... It's weird. I I kind of... When I think of it, it's weird because it could... Like, jam band guys could sort of i guess get into it but they're not really I mean, he a does have a, ja-
0: a jam band right, right. with trey anastasio and Stuart copeland
1: uh it i don't i don't exactly know uh, it because i don't think it was like a foregone conclusion that my friends would be into it but i do think it's like it's hard for me to it's hard for me to explain i would say that i think it's probably i think it's probably people who 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 really like uh, somebody who's very good at what they do, right? Like, we all like like hearing somebody that's very good at what they do is very exciting, but don't quite understand what makes them great at what they do. So it's kind of like a dumb guy virtuoso kind of thing. I think, like...
0: Okay. yeah, I could see that.
1: I think also, like, just the weirdness... I guess I would say just the, the, the people who like weirder music or, or, or I don't even know if that's true though, either. Cause I don't like that shit. I don't like, I don't like joke music or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I, You're
0: not like a Mr. Bungle, you know, you're not into that kind of, I guess it's like a heavy
1: metal guy that, so, okay. I was a heavy metal guy for a very long time. And, um. I I don't think I understood what makes somebody good at something, and like, uh, but I know that I was somebody who was definitely probably going to get something, you know, like that. That I was definitely going to get into like more alt rock or smarter music. I wouldn't have bought like Primus would be the first step, I think, to somebody who really fucking liked Corn, but also really liked Mars Volta or Dredge or or any of those bands it's like it's it's music for people of a certain time that were maybe a little more open minded before they knew they were open minded i
0: think right right so th- this is like a sort of gateway band i guess in
1: some and ways Deftones
0: is kind of the same
1: in a way like Deftones is like their songs aren't really hard to understand or anything like that but i think if Tones is your favorite band, you're a little bit more open-minded and willing to. You're they're a little bit more open-minded and they're gonna get into stuff. You know what I mean? They're gonna get into some of the uh uh some of the cooler like uh um prog rock and stuff like that. Because I'm not anti-prog at all, but I'm not a prog rock guy.
0: Right. Yeah, it's just it was weird to me because I I yeah, like I said, I I find I find it a little challenging to get into. I find aspects of it kind of goofy. So it was sort of, yeah, just trying to figure out like who, who's listening to this entire album. Like it's very easy for me to see someone who likes Jerry was a race car driver or someone who likes John, the fisherman or whatever their other Tommy, the cat, whatever the singles are. That's easy for me to see. I can totally see that. But as far as like, I like Primus. I am going to listen to a full album of Primus in one go. It just feels like yeah, it just it it feels interesting to me. It feels interesting to cuz I cuz it is it is weird. But it's not so weird. Like, if you're someone who exclusively likes weird music, yeah. this might not be weird enough. No, no, no. no.
1: And because if you're someone are-
0: who likes mainstream music, this would be too weird. So it, it occupies this kind of very odd space to me.
1: Well, there's so many, like... I think it's because, like, yeah, they, they... If you're willing to take the ride on a song like To Defy the Laws of Tradition, you get awarded, rewarded with too many puppies or uh, uh, a song that is more straight ahead it feels like like they're there it feels like they're easing you in like because i i know i really like the toys go winding down
0: yeah that was probably my favorite song
1: and like so every few songs you're gonna get something that is is more straight ahead or weird and like uh, uh this album is a perfect kind of thing because i will agree with anybody who says this uh they can, i i could understand a person uh, what what i don't understand is someone who thinks there's nothing good about primus but i do understand a person who thinks it's hit or miss and even i think it's hit or miss sometimes like there are songs where i'm like eh, you know i i don't know if i love that but i think for me the songs that end up being good are fucking great. So like I'm willing to it's like uh uh watching a TV show. It's like watching the Sopranos or something like that, right? I, there are episodes of that show I fucking hate. Like very much hate. There are episodes that fly episode of Breaking Bad. I fucking hate that. I think it sucks, you know? Um There are wrestlers in AEW that I absolutely fucking hate, but, like, there are people who do really good stuff there, so I like that. And, like, uh, Primus, I think, to me, I think the lows are a lot less low to me than they are to other people. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can see you listening to this for the first time. This is also not a, maybe I didn't think of this, well enough but this is not a listen once or twice and you get the album and i don't think primus does any that like this is you gotta like i was steeped in this (laughs) you know what i mean like i i listened to this full thing through for a number of years before i even understood that i liked primus I, I my brother bought pork soda sailing the seas of cheese and my buddy bought frizzle fry and they would we'd be hanging out and they would just play it all the fucking time and once you hear something a lot of times if it's good it'll catch you but if you're only hearing it two three times it's i i think that there's a higher cost of entry
0: too. yeah i could see that <laughs> for sure yeah they're they're not a band Again, I have limited exposure, but they feel like a band that, you know, I think with other bands, something you'll hear people say is like, well, this isn't my favorite album by them, but it's the album I'll introduce people to them with, because it's for any number of reasons, their most accessible album, their most kind of, it has their biggest hit on it, you know, whatever the case, you hear that a lot about bands. Oh, well, it's maybe not my favorite album, but here you go. Try this. Primus, I think there's never going to be like an easy entry point. To oh, Primus. I know. You know, it's, it's like even the even the quote unquote singles or the bigger songs that they've had are very tricky. And and just like even a song like Too Many Puppies being a single, you know, like the lyrics are literally and I know there it's not it's a metaphor, but the lyrics are about killing dogs so, and and delivered in a like kind of way. It's like. You know, you're not showing someone that song and being like, dude, you gotta check out this fucking band, man. It's, it's funny, unbelievable.
1: But I will say this that is an anti-war song.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I know Which it's insane. a metaphor, like, but I'm just saying if you don't know anything about Prime, yeah, you can yeah. just hear that song and you'd be because of his voice, too, right? It's like if he was singing in a way, like in a in a sort of conventionally nice way of singing, it might occur to you. This is a metaphor, but because he's like too many puppies, like you're like, is this this guy killing dogs? Like if you heard the song for the first time, you'd be like, I think this guy maybe kills dogs. I think that the reason I,
1: I love that song is the same reason, like, you know, my gift to you being my favorite, like corn song because of that riff that just happens. This is another one of those songs that like, I love it because I love that guitar riff. It is simple. I can play this guitar riff very easily. Like, I, get, I, I learned it. It's one of the five things I learned to do on guitar, just so I could sit in my house and go, dun, 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 dun. Like, I love that. It, and it's the perfect kind of riff for me. Um, and it is funny. I, I think, like, I didn't, I knew this, when I went and saw the Frizzle Fry tour, obviously, but uh, when i when I think about it now, I also find it super interesting that he did i you would you wouldn't see Primus doing a political song, but after reading the articles that you sent me, they did a lot more of that kind of stuff than I expected. You know what I mean? like I didn't realize he was and and i I admire. As far as political songs go, I very much admire a song that's anti-war, uh, for the first Iraq war where nobody was anti-war at that time. Like that war was so popular. Um, yeah, the one they in, love that in, thing. They the love Gulf that Gulf War.
0: war. They were, oh yeah, 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 we had Gulf War trading post. cards, uh, you know, yeah. a real good show. They made a whole card set out of the Gulf War, and people I know, were like, Yeah, I know. be in, baby.
1: It's crazy. And and it was like I just respect a person that, like, has, has the the compassion or the forethought to be like, wait a minute. And I think that seems like, a, a, after reading the article, it feels like that was a lot of what he talked about, was that, like, like his opinion, it, he has very nonconformist opinions, and he feels very strong about, like, being... For lack of a better term, like an iconoclast. And I think in many ways and all kinds of stuff, he plays this weird music. He sings these weird songs. He plays, he picked the weirdest possible instrument to get great at. <laughs> <You know? laughs> He's just a very, very weird guy. And I, I kind of, I really, like, I, you know, I, I think you know this about me. I think everybody kind I don't like really weird guys. Like, I don't like being around eccentrics. Now, I've been accused of being one, which I don't believe. I'm probably the most normal guy of all the people I know. But I just... I no, you not. I find them very <laughs> annoying. Maybe I find them annoying because I'm one. <laughs> I know, I know. Believe me, I, I have uh, been informed by... I remember... I don't remember what I was doing. I might have had Mike and Jesse on a show, or Stefan. And, oh, it was Mike and Jesse did the Lawn Guys episode, and I said something, and they were like, "I'm so glad I know you." Like, it is, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> like oh, that must have been weird what I just said. But I think, like, I really like this like eccentric, weird guy that somehow builds connections. Maybe. like he builds all these cool connections with people he's got tom waits calling him he's got the police he's hanging out with fred durst he's got like this guy seems like he connects so much of like alternative and metal that i find that also super interesting too about him i think like you could even say like oh i kind of don't i don't get it i guess but you i think anybody would be like This is an interesting fucking guy.
0: Oh, no question. I mean, just looking at him, right? (laughs) Like his style over the years, the way he looks. But you're right. He seems like I I watched a couple interviews with them, too. and, and, And we won't we won't do the audio on this. But, you know, he just seems like a very laid back, like affable guy. It's easy to see how. Musicians would respect his playing, then meet him and be like, oh, what a great guy. I want to take them on tour or I want to, you know, I'm a big primus guy or whatever. And yeah, I think you're right. I think like it speaks to it speaks to him that uh, they were able to be so successful doing what is ostensibly a very bizarre form of popular music.
1: Well that's uh, that, I love that these,
0: nothing sounds like that. nothing sounds right. like Primus you, you like you said articles. you can hear new metal you can hear the the you can hear where new metal bands would have taken influence from Primus I think corn in particular, I think is probably the most influenced by Primus of the of the major new metal bands. you can hear it, but it's Nobody could do Primus. You couldn't copy what they're doing. It's 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 very very deeply strange music. Exactly,
1: yeah. And it's just like uh uh I really liked the articles this time. I don't know if I have a
0: ton. Sure, yeah, let's get into them. them.
1: But as I read them, I love this Rolling Stone article it was very weird. I just Yeah, this one is them. from
0: uh, October 31st, 1991. So this is probably a Sailing the Seas of Cheese era primus interview the uh, the interview is by michael Azarad, and the uh, the title is does primus really suck the san francisco trio whose music mi- mixes thrash funk and prog has built a devoted following of fans on the alternative scene
1: let me say that this is going to be the wildest thing this is one of the wildest things i've ever read for this show this paragraph i'm going to read you Two girls work their way to the lip of the stage. They go berserk after managing to touch Claypool's foot. They are Noel, fifteen, and Karen, seventeen. I love him so much, and I touched him. God, Noel raves later. He dripped on us. Squeals Karen, who explains the secret of Primus's appeal. It's real life, she said. We can re- we can't relate to MC Hammer. You can't touch this. What does that mean? And it's like. I think you can't touch this is very self <laughs> when you
0: compare it to too many puppies or John, <laughs> the fisherman, uh, my, my family likes to fish. I wrote a song about fishing. Uh, you know, it's like, well, then, yeah, way different is- than you can't touch this. Yeah. I think I get, I think I get what he's getting at.
1: <laughs> and that is, and that's the one of the, a 15 year old girl and a 17 year old girl, girl, like raving over touching less clay pool of all people, I think that definitely lets people know what was going on in 1991. Like, Oh, big time. Are just well, so different back then. <laughs>
0: well, and even just the way the crowd is described, which I think is right, right? Like that Primus would have attracted a strange crowd. It says, the Warfield crowd is as eclectic as the music, a peculiar blend of skate punks, deadheads, metalheads, clean-cut college kids, and the odd gothic trendy they sport jams, dreadlocks, partially shaved heads, and the obligatory backward baseball cap. I mean, and yeah, they totally feel like a band where you could have frat guys and goths both liking them. I mean,
1: listen, there's jam band guys that go see this and prog guys. And then guys like me and my friends were there. Like, I, I just I, I think that would be the only time in my life that i'd be in a room with jam band guys and prog guys when i was like 17 years old it's just such a weird totally kind of it's such a weird like it is a cool weird crowd i don't i don't i i've told this story before but i i saw them once and pod was opening for them (laughs) sure and i just couldn't believe that they had pod opening For Primus, but this is after me and my friends had learned that they are uh, Christian, and uh, we were a really bad audience for (laughs) POD. Not (laughs) nice. And Primus is like such a goof. You know what I mean? Like they're up on stage, he's wearing a pig mask, and like he's he's playing the upright, and he's doing all this stuff. So you you see POD. It was POD. I believe it was POD Limbiskin. and you're so alive yeah, my, <laughs> friends are, my friends are standing in the audience doing like the crucifix pose and stuff like that <laughs> god isn't fucking real every time they're quiet they're yelling atheist stuff oh my you god. know what i mean and i think it was just that like having a self-serious band open up for a band that doesn't take themselves seriously at all is a really bad because limb biscuit did great
0: Sure, yeah, because they're goofy, them, like, and, the, and they would understand the assignment, right? They'd be like, "Okay, we're opening for Primus. We're gonna lean into all of our goofiest tendencies."
1: Yeah, they they did great. Like the crowd went fucking crazy for them, but not. It definitely did not happen with uh, uh, the Pod. Like there were like fifteen people there that were moshing the Pod, and like they had weirdly enough they had their faces painted, almost like Sting. In a way, like not new oh, okay. sting, old sting. Like the uh you know what I'm talking about? Around the eye, just around the eyes and like Sting the Wrestler. They were painted like that or like the ultimate warrior. And I just I think that really painted how I felt about pod for the rest of my life <laughs> just seeing those kids and that's not pod's fault i get it no sure of course Seeing those kids like
0: climbing they're probably thinking this is a big opportunity for us we're opening for primus <laughs> we're playing bigger venues than we probably would otherwise be playing uh we gotta put our best foot forward but this uh, is
1: the Southpound
0: period right like yeah. that's
1: the only song i have
0: was south sure sure
1: but it is um, also weird. Like that's another like really fucking cool thing. Is like this band taking bands like that out on tour. Totally, I think it's really cool because I I think new metal is a whole different world. If Primus isn't there to take some of the people out, or Metallica isn't there to take some of the people out, like Primus is in that section of like, well, they had so many fans. I mean, you're, you're reading fucking that album, that first fucking album they had sold eighty thousand copies before it was even they were signed to a record label like they were a big fucking deal
0: yeah i got a couple quotes from the rolling stone one just this one is very funny the name of this tour and just the tour in general is so fucking weird uh the band practically stole the show on the ill-fated gathering of the tribes tour Ooh. which also <laughs> featured fishbone x and steve Earle.
1: How did that shit happen,
0: dude? <laughs> like
1: it was so weird back then. Like <laughs> almost like they didn't know how to put a bill together. No,
0: they had no idea. And then, <laughs> like, then the they went out on there. Anthrax. Public Enemy. Primus was the tour right. after the Gathering of the Tribes tour, which makes a little more st- a little more sense, but still not a lot of sense. Like it's kind of crazy. And then uh, this is kind of an interesting uh, quote. I thought here. Uh, sort of an interesting fact where the world, the, the metal world might be way different if this event happened. The quote is, Claypool first met his best friend, Metallica gar- guitarist Kirk Hammett, in high school and auditioned for Metallica after bassist Cliff Burton died. He figures he blew it after he jokingly proposed jamming on an Eiley brother, Isley Brothers tune. Metallica was not amused. Quote, I had really short hair then, and I guess that didn't help either. (laughs) against Claypool. So I'm just imagining the world where Primus never exists unless Claypool is the bizarro bass player for Metallica.
1: Also so sad about the way that they treated uh, Jason Newstead. So they would have this guy that's like a, a huge, great talent, and they would just turn him down in the mix because that's like kind of famously and justice for all is an album where you can't hear the bass at all because they were fucking assholes to the bass player so because he was so i'm glad that uh he didn't get on i mean you know who else tried out was hulk hogan so
0: (laughs) which i also love Uh, the only other thing Sorry, the only other thing I had from this one is just, like, they only use one quote in the entire article from his mom, and this is just, like, such a funny quote to choose. It says, On stage, the lanky Claypool looks like he holds down a day job at the Ministry of Silly Walks, stalking back and forth from the mic like an ostrich, doing a rubber-limbed lindy hop, twirling around while stomping a long, outstretched leg, all the while tossing off the most baffling bass lines. Yeah. Quote, he was a bouncing boy, his mother recalls, shouting over the din of an after show party. He used to like to jump in his jumpy chair. I think that's where he got the strength in his legs. I never saw anybody who could jump as well as he did in that jumpy chair. It's oh, just such a funny mum quote to be like, hey, he's been
1: doing that since he was a little baby boy. Right, and jumpy chairs make it easy to jump. I mean, if you put me in a jumpy chair, I could probably jump pretty high too, you know? I <laughs> no uh, look question. at the Karang article.
0: Yeah, this one is from uh also from 1991, June 1st, 1991, uh from Kerrang. and the title of the article is just Say Cheese. Uh so again, uh, a sailing on the seas of cheese uh media hit here.
1: I hate having to try to describe Primus, but now I always say and it's in the new biog now, psychedelic polka. But then everybody thinks I'm being a smart ass again. Let me just chip in here and say he is. You know, and I don't know how to, like, I would love to try to figure out how to name this genre, but it's oh polka, you know? But he goes, if there was a band, I can honestly say we sounded like I'd tell you chips and boyish guitarist Larry Lalonde and a rare contribution to the conversation. Most of the time he is content to listen, laughing at whatever the quirky Claypool comes out with, but I can't think of any Claypool's widening grin telegraphs, a one liner coming up. And he said, this is a very 1990." Uh,
0: i I mean i we always love when bands try to do jokes and in interviews, and this is i I had this one highlighted too, because it's very good.
1: I suppose we're like new kids on the block on acid it has them oh, both just new
0: kids on acid new kids he, on acid, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> has them both laughing like naughty schoolboys. I mean, you were still allowed to say things were on acid or on steroids in Oh. you know if that was okay then, not okay now don't. And not because it's problematic, because it's stupid. Oh, we're like this on acid. I just, I uh, uh it drives me nuts. But they're like the they cannot. I think that that's a funny thing about that period of time that I think has kind of gone away too. Is uh, bands aren't being forced to try to name their genre the way, like, as we talked about, Corn wanting to call new metal pimp rock yeah les claypool thinks they're psychedelic polka like they're all like like and i get the i get the impulse too like i I would not want somebody to name my thing either but they're always such bad names
0: yeah oh yeah terrible um yeah this article was interesting just because i like i kind of like the way that it really shows you how Primus just kind of made their own way. And it's really weird. Like, um, I did just like this one quote. Uh, this is Les talking about uh Larry Lalonde. Before that, we were both in a band called Blind Illusion, a kind of hippie metal band. When I first met Larry, he was a total hippie bag. Grateful deadhead, bleach blonde hair, and tie-dyed shirts, but it, it's worked out well. I just like the term hippie bag. And oh, I'm yeah, start yeah, calling yeah. I calling mean, people hippie bag.
1: It is wild that. I don't think I don't think even hippies are, are this big. Like hippies were uncool then.
0: Oh for sure. Yeah. You know what I
1: mean? And it's like uh uh there is weirdly a hippie element. Like the people that go see the concerts, you will, will see like a hippie element, you know what I mean? But like uh it doesn't feel like music for those people either to me like it doesn't feel like something for like i i don't think it i i can see fish fans kind of liking it but they don't jam when you see them in concert they they play the fucking songs you know what i mean like i've never seen them i mean you know obviously every band does a little bit of jamming on stage but when primus tours primus plays their songs they don't do any other stuff so it is that's another thing that speaks to them like it's pretty like people all kinds of people just really like this, very yeah. weird, it's so weird, well, and I like that weirdest, it. unexplainable band i i I could say,
0: oh, totally, and it's yeah, that's what I was kind of like wanting to read with these quotes and and you know, usually we clown on these people, but it's it's almost admirable what they've done here, Les says it's it's uh. The the guy asks, is the most important thing to do something different? It's the most important to just keep yourself happy and enthused with your music, says Claypool, with a rare expression of seriousness. At least it is for me. When you're younger, you think more about what people are going to like or what's going to be accepted. But now we just play what we want and what turns us on. And if it turns other people on, that's cool. Not that I'm trying to be some artsy smart fucker going, hey, we do what we want, but sometimes it can get pretty boring touring and doing gigs. So I like to keep myself happy. Lalonde speaks up. Sometimes it's fun to write something that you think nobody will ever like. It's always fun to try to freak out the A&R people. And yeah, it's just like it's cool that even this early in their career, you know, it's not like Frizzle Fry was some massive hit record. Um, early on in their career, they were able to identify like, oh, we're just going to kind of do what we want. And if people like it, that's great. And it's kind of crazy that so many people do like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and it is really cool. It, it is. It, it makes you feel like kind of good that something like there, even if you don't like it to me, it's like, this. you know people are willing there are people like people out there are willing to accept some pretty weird stuff and and like I think now it's even more that way because of the 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 atomization of like all music is like you know if you look at my spotify my spotify list and stuff like that, there isn't a type of music you know what i mean like I, I can read you. Well, it's Thanksgiving week, but uh, the last few albums I listened to were Frizzle Fry, uh, The Last Waltz, Kurt Vile, and Exile on Main Street, which I guess those are all roughly the same, I would say.
0: But like, I, I no, like, not exactly. But yeah, I know. I know what you're saying, though.
1: Like, people just are are into weirder stuff these days. So I, I don't want to be like, I, I don't want to be like, oh, things were better back then. But I think if if somebody I I think that if somebody like like Primus had something to do with a period of time, I mean, fifteen year old girls were going to see Primus
0: and were like time. thought less was a sex symbol.
1: I well, that I still think that's that's nuts. <laughs> I, mean, if I goes on stage and sings songs like Mister Crinkle, and you're like, oh, hello.
0: I would like to see his Mister Crinkle.
1: Yeah, let me. Uh, I got some. Is that what we got for the? Karang? That's what I had
0: for that. Yeah.
1: So uh, Billboard wrote. Yeah, this spell, is a
0: retrospective. This is from uh, f- uh, February seventh, twenty twenty. Les Claypool. Uh, this is by Ron Hart. Les Claypool looks back on Primus's debut, Frizzle Fry, at thirty. The Frizzle Fry era remains an important element in the story of this wildly original American band.
1: It's funny the the piece of it that I found. There's a couple of pieces I found interesting, but. You were in good company at Caroline Records at the time with the likes of Hole Smashing Pumpkins and Bad Brains. Well, we were huge fans of Bad Brains, of course. We were being courted by a few different labels, but they were mainly metal labels. And I didn't want to be a metal band. And we which is that's another wild fucking thing is that, like. I don't think i think if you hear too many puppies and maybe the toys go winding down and some of the heavier stuff you can see it but like the fact that metal bands were the ones chasing them is so wild to me um but they were mainly metal labels i didn't want to be in a metal band and we weren't we're still that band who can play with anybody It's kind of odd, even recently going from writing on this Rainbow Unicorn with Wayne Coyne and my pig mass at Flaming Lip shows, and then two weeks later being out on the road with Slayer in Ministry. And then he goes, are there any influences that seeped into the creation of Frizzle Fry that some people might not catch right away? And this this really spoke to me about why he continues to sing in the band, because he says, you know, John Lydon was a huge influence on me. I mean, so was Peter Gabriel, but I could but I couldn't hit those notes. If you listen to me singing, especially on Frizzle Fry, there's a lot of John Lydon in there, not necessarily Sex Pistols area, but all the public image limited stuff he did, like Flowers of Romance and Happy, the generic record. He was a big influence on me, especially in my timbre and approach. I never thought of myself as a singer. It wasn't until like the 2000s that I actually started to try and sing, working with guys like Trey Anastasio and Sean Lennon which helped me to learn to control my voice a bit before I was always trying to be like Mel Blanc or something. I'm just trying to narrate these damn songs. And for me, John Lydon had this approach that I was able to identify with. And I find that I think a, a guy in a band like this, that plays bass, like a virtuoso also being like, I really like, uh, uh, punk is, is really cool. Cause there's another part where he says he talked to, uh, he says he he talks to Jello Biafra and stuff like that, and to me, it's like that might be one of the things that makes them special. Is that like most prog bands? I would say, and and I did a prog rock guys episode, and that's where I got a lot of a lot of that information. uh They think they're way better than punk bands, and they think punk sucks, and then they're not trying. But Les Claypool being able to take being able to even take from that, you know, and, and put it into his music is really cool. And I think that is an indication of maybe why people are so willing to go with them. Because it's like, oh, yeah, we're a little bit punk. We're a little bit metal. we're a little, Like, they don't seem like they, they're not the type of guys that seem like they're walking around saying which bands suck to
0: me. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, The only thing I had here was, uh, again, just kind of a funny anecdote from Les about all the connections he had. This is the final question of the interview. So going back on the road with Oysterhead leads to the question of when you first connected with Trey Anastasio and Stuart Copeland, do they go back to the Frizzle Fry era with you? I met those guys years ago. Somebody in our camp was going out with somebody who was a roommate of somebody in their camp or something, and she always used to talk about fish. We heard that song Reba and we used to laugh and sing those lyrics, which go bag it, tag it, sell it to the butcher in the store. And then somehow they heard we were fans. I don't know the exact story, but we met and hung out and saw Sun Ra or some shit together. But then years later, Sausage opened up for fish at Laguna Seca. And then this whole jam thing came up. I was supposed to do a super jam with all of them at Jazz Fest. So I called up my old pal Trey because he knew how to jam. And I have to be honest with you, I didn't know they were that huge fish, which is <laughs> I love that quote. And I said, hey, I'm supposed to do this super jam thing. Do you want to do it with me? He wound up telling me, hey, man, I've always wanted to do a project with you and Stuart Copeland. If you can get Stuart Copeland, I'd totally do it. I think he said that because he didn't believe I could get Stuart. And I was like, oh, I know Stuart. So there you go. Boom. Oysterhead was born. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that's cool and uh, just being a guy that's like oh i know the uh, uh drummer for the police
0: yeah oh stewart yeah yeah. i'll give him a call right He's now and i just like the idea that trey he thinks of trey anastasio as a friend of a friend and not of the like oh are fish really big i actually didn't even know that they were big i love that
1: i love this paragraph every time a record i it's consequences right we're on the consequence yeah, so this is the oh.
0: last one uh this is from uh yeah from consequence.net uh, and this is from 2017, September 29th, 2017, by Lyre Phillips. And uh, it's just Les Claypool breaks down the entire Primus discography. A long, strange journey from cats and fishermen to chocolate bars and color-stealing goblins.
1: I like this. Every time a record label would approach us, they'd say, you know, do you guys ever think about getting a lead singer? Do <laughs> you ever uh, think of maybe combing your hair like the Guns and Roses guy's? It was always shit like that. So we were always like, fuck these people. It's always a compromise. I was never big on compromises. The reason I like that is because, I mean, that was kind of what... A and R guys did at the time, which I find very funny. Where there's just a guy sitting down, and he's like, "You ever want to comb your hair like Guns and Roses? You think that might make you famous?" It's like, yeah, uh, I, like it, you hear so many people talk about what A and R guys said and how they didn't do it and they made it, and it's like it was. it the people that took A and R requests seriously were the ones that never kind of got there,
0: you know? yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I only had one thing from here, uh, which was pretty good. He talks about uh, trying to find drummers. He says between suck on this and our first record, we went through eight drummers. My buddy Lonnie Marshall always said drummer rhymes with bummer. I can attest to that. (laughs) A lot of that material evolved through performing and jamming. We rehearsed three nights a week, blah, blah. With Todd Hooth, I was looking for a guitar player. I knew him from high school, and when he called me saying he heard I was looking for a, t- a guitar player, I thought, oh, no, not this guy. I wanted some avant-garde, or sorry, some avant Adrian Ballou or Robert Fripp kind of guy, and he was kind of a freak. He had heard that, or he had that very unique approach that was very compelling. Whether it's film, literature, art, or music, I've always been intrigued by things that make me go, how the fuck did that person think of that? Holy hell. I thought yeah that, that's kind of their sort of entire mission statement basically is like let's write songs where people go how did they even think of that
1: oh yeah yeah for sure i there wasn't much uh from the frizzle fry part of the article for yeah, me it wasn't
0: super interesting other than saying it was their favorite primus record
1: yeah 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 and i like i i recommend the article if the it, when when you see them in the, on the uh thing you can read like What he thinks of all the albums and a lot of what he talks about was like uh, uh, what he talks about is like bad suggestions from record labels, which is that's like kind of one of my favorite things.
0: Totally. Yeah, that'll be by the way, if you donate to our Patreon, we post the articles on our Patreon uh, every month. So if you're wondering where they're at, that's where they're at. Uh, Okay, Brian, we are done with the articles, which means it's time for the tweet defense. If this is your first time listening to the show, uh, this is our way of sort of rating the album. So the idea is if someone were to tweet at you saying frizzle fry sucks, it's how many tweets you would do uh, in reply in defense of the album. Brian, we'll start with you. What is your score for this record? Wow,
1: I, I the scale is so fucked, but it's a very high one, and we'll just say a hundred and fifty infinities. Infinities. Now I got to pick infinities.
0: We should just stop doing the tweet defense because at this point you're just okay. uh, you're just making up numbers, or we have to reset and we just have to say yeah, look, yeah, yeah. everything have you fun. said before this doesn't count. <laughs>
1: That's a good good. I will. I I. I will uh, accept that if you want to start over.
0: Okay, let's start over right now. So uh, so the out fact 10, that you've given infinities to other records before, let's say that's all in the past. How many tweets would you actually do in defense of? And we're Drizzle just going to say
1: 10 out okay. of 10. And I would, say, this is out of 10. I would give this an eight.
0: Okay, got it. So eight tweets. Yeah, for me, it's probably less. I, I'd say it's probably like three, maybe. Um, and again, I, I don't think I hated, I, I didn't hate the record. It's just, again, like not one I'm probably going to reach for. I think Primus is best consumed in small doses. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at on, on Primus, but I certainly didn't hate it. I think people were nervous that I was no. going to get on this, uh, get on this, uh, episode and, and fucking shit all over it. But, um, no, I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a solid, uh, solid band love kind of that they've carved out this super career for themselves do- doing really weird shit. And Les Claypool seems like a very cool guy. So shout out to them. If you want some more cool guy content, you can head on over to our Patreons, patreon.com slash the Podcast. That's cast with a K like the band corn $4 a month, gets you access to all of our bonus episodes. Our entire back catalog now is sitting at over 125 episodes. You get all of those immediately, plus you get three bonus episodes a month, one full-length, and two singles episodes. Last month, we had Mike York on from Swan and Pianos Become the Teeth uh, to discuss uh, some remixes that a, a listener did, a nine-track remix album uh, of new metal songs that was super fun. And uh, I think Brian and I both just loved talking to Mike, had a lot of really cool things to say about new metal uh, and the music industry in general. So that was a super fun one. As I said, you also get access to all the articles. You get access to our Discord. Um, you, get, uh, you get merch discounts. And uh, we also have a $7 tier where you can get uh, all the bonus episodes in video format. Uh, lots of other fun stuff on there. So you can go check that out. And if you want to suggest a single or an album to do for a bonus episode, you can also do that. We have tiers for that on the Patreon. So check that out. Patreon.com slash the POD cast. Okay, Brian, uh, we're almost at the end of the episode. It means it's time for the challenge. Last month's challenge, uh, was based on Chevelle's, uh, wonder what's next, where they were a band of three brothers who hated their one brother and kicked him out of the band. And they haven't talked <laughs> to him in over 15 years because of it. And, uh, our challenge was to dismiss our own sibling from our band. And Brian, you narrowly, uh, won that challenge so that moves you up to 25 wins. I have 23, and we have two ties. And uh, for these, this Primus Challenge, Brian, you came up with the challenge. So why don't you tell the listeners what the challenge is this month? We just haven't done
1: an impression in a long time, so I thought we would do an impression of uh, Les Claypool.
0: <laughs> Love it. Okay, what uh, you want to go first?
1: Yes, this is, this is I'm doing My Name is Mud. Boom! Bay- Wait, I fucked that up. Like, ba-na-na-na. ah, fuck! I'll do too many puppies. I'm trying to do the instrument as a joke. <laughs> yes, you okay. What I, like like it. It. I yeah. get you. <lows> that's it that's my impression (laughs) because i'm doing his bass i'm not doing you're doing a bit yeah you're doing a bit
0: i'm doing a funny bit uh okay i'm gonna do i'm gonna do bit (laughs) (laughs) i'm do. i'm gonna do jerry was a race car driver uh because that's the primus song i'm most familiar with and i was also planning to do the instrument but i will also do the voice as well okay so here we go as you spill water out of your mouth Jerry was a race car driver. He drove so goddamn fast. He never did win no checkered flags, but he never did come in last. Jerry was a race car driver. He'd say Elso number one with a Bose Sefa sticker on his 442. He'd let him up just for fun. Uh, All right,
1: there you go. Dude, your bass was so good. <laughs> Thing. You could be
0: in an acapella heavy metal band. <laughs> by where they're all good at singing, and I'm in the back like, be?
1: I always thought this would be such a funny thing to do, like an acapella band where one guy does guitar, one guy does drums, <laughs> one guy does bass, and the other one sings. I always thought that'd be such an odd thing to, to do. I don't, I don't know where you would
0: do it. But, well, um, you know, I mean, I think you can do it anywhere you want um we'll, well maybe it's maybe you and i have to start it brian i've got the bass down so we'll <laughs> see Turn. that's my guitar so we okay that's the, pretty good yeah so we're i think we're already most of the way it's there it's uh you can vote on who won that challenge over on twitter twitter.com slash the pod underscore cast that's cast with a k as well and also on our twitter you can vote in the poll Uh, If you're, again, new to the show, uh, we actually let you, the listeners, decide what we are going to listen to next month. Brian and I will each nominate two albums to put in the poll. And then of those four albums, you will decide what we listen to for our first episode of 2024. Uh, Brian, which two albums are you putting up in the poll this month? So I put Primus in there. They're not classically new metal. So I feel like
1: I owe you guys some real fucking new metal shit. Okay. Okay. Yep number one methods of mayhem uh that
0: album <laughs> sorry did you just say you uh you, you needed to put real new metal in this it's, poll, and then you're metal. putting up methods of mayhem that's
1: as new metal as it gets yeah methods i know i know okay and sure saliva every six seconds another extremely new, new metal, metal album. album so i put two very new metal okay. albums on
0: there i like you, it i'm a- uh I feel like Brian, uh, you know, obviously you host the podcast guys. You are a big fan of guys. And I think it's been too long since you and I have heard from two of our favorite new metal capital G guys. Uh, So that that's my theme for January, 2024 is I think the people probably want us to hear us talk about two of our favorite guys. So the first one is uh, I'm going to put up Godsmack's Faceless. All it's been right. a while since we've had a chance to talk about our good friend Sully Erna. And then the other album I'm going to put up is Kid Rock's Cocky, oh, uh, yeah. which is where he turns away from new metal a little bit. But we haven't talked about Kid Rock on the show in a long time either. So those are the two I'm putting up. We'll see. Uh, it's a it's a great poll. Methods of Mayhem, Saliva, Godsmack, Kid Rock.
1: We can't Lots lose. Of, well, we, we lose no matter what, but we can't lose.
0: But we can't lose. It's going to be a great poll. So again, you can find the poll on our Twitter, twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast. You can also donate to the show, help support us at patreon.com slash the POD cast, no underscore in the Patreon. Uh, thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. It's been another year of this damn thing. We really appreciate it. hope you have a wonderful holiday season and a very prosperous new year, and we will see you back here in 2024. Goodbye.